One, two, three, clap. Was a, I feel like that was a solid clap. Mine sure shit was. Well, I'm happy for you. The county really the dropped clap, the ball last was, year. It was last, week. last year. I it was said last, last week. week. I'm on, sorry. Right. I'm losing time, okay? <laughs> Episode of So Did You Like It, a film podcast to go with the thousands and thousands of other film podcasts. But we're not going to be critics. We're not going to be throwing numbers at you. We're just going to ask at the end of the conversation. So did you like it? I am Sir Square, and joined as always with my co-host. I'm Burnsy, or you can call me Burnsy, but I'm actually Cause. Well, Burnsy, today we did something, or this week we did something special. I feel we did. We checked out the 1972 comedy by Peter Bogdanovich. What's Up Doc, starring Barbara Streisand, Ryan O'Neill, and written by Buck Henry, David Newman, and Robert Benton. This is a quirky comedy. This is a rom-com. And I gotta say, like, it's just, I feel, is a genuine fun time. Like, it doesn't really, you know, you don't have to really think too much while watching this movie. You just have to watch the movie. There was so much less Bugs Bunny than I thought there would be. There was surprisingly an amount of Bugs Bunny, but way less than I thought there would yeah, be. Yeah, sorry to mislead you a little bit with the with the title of this movie. All right, what was that again? What's up, Doc? Uh, <laughs> oh, I hate you. <laughs> we like to have fun here. <laughs> the two, the, the, the duality of man. <laughs> so that's what side of the coins we're on tonight. A role reversal, I see. <laughs> Really <laughs> spicing it up here on the podcast. Hey, man, we're keeping it fresh. We're keeping it real. And honestly, give me your first impressions after watching this movie. Well, I wanted to make a joke about how, like, um, how Barbara Streisand's character, uh, Judy, is so chaotic. She's messy. She's very kind of annoying at times and very much a problem. And I would absolutely let her ruin my life. But I think given how the character is... I, if she's got her eyes trained on me, I don't think it's in my hands whether she ruins my life. Oh, Judy is that character that you're going to have a conversation with Judy, but it's more like she's just going to tell you how your life's going to go. But not in the most, like, let's say, annoying way that kind of how Burnsy does it, you know? Like, Burnsy keeps a schedule and keeps you to a schedule. Judy takes you on a mystical fucking adventure that's going to blow your mind, and that's just a Tuesday for her. Yeah, so she is charismatic, and to a degree, she is fun, but kind of really sucks. How many, how many <laughs> headaches do you think you'd get from Judy? Uh, So many, and I don't think I'd ever get around to buying aspirin <laughs> either. No aspirin, not even the ones with buffer in them. Um... My, you know, so like, like I said, she's a bit quirky, she's quirky and she's weird and she's kind of a problem. Um, but like at the very end, when you learn way more about her, um, I kind of hated it. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a dad who pays her way through all these schools. She goes to every school, learns a bit. So she's like very well educated but kind of just sucks at the education system, which is fine. It's not for everyone. And frankly, the education system's kind of fucked up. But, you know, she just kind of... And this is especially uh, back in days where college was more affordable. You can't 
you can't be Judy now, except the problem is she has a dad once again bankrolling these uh, these ventures to college. Goes to every one of them, starts problems, starts fires, um, goes to a new place, and just decides to ruin some random man's life for no reason. And I'm like, you kind of suck. <laughs> you kind of suck as a human being. <laughs> Like, by the end, he's on the plane to go with her, and, you know, just, hey, what the hell, why not? I'll try this out. I don't think they're going to last. <laughs> Nothing makes you think that this has any kind of chance whatsoever. But they, but they were so cute, and they fell in love. It was love at first sight for her. It was love by manipulation for him. But, you know, sometimes you can root for gaslighting. Maybe. Was it love or was it just taking a married man? They weren't married. No long, or engaged, sorry. Yeah. Taking a man who's taken and engaged and all that stuff. And now that he's no longer those things, is there really as much thrill in there for her? Oh, I did not expect that question. That is a good question. Well, uh, do you think it was a thrill thing for her? Probably to some degree. Who the f- who the fuck just keeps going to different universities, starting f- starts fires and starts fucking around in people's life? This is someone who is just clearly bored and just kind of stirs shit in other people's business. But here's the thing: if if that was the case, she wouldn't have to have gone to the conservatory with him. She could have just gone to a different university. She could have just stayed, disappeared at the end. But no, she. She wants to keep following him. You can't at least say that much. She was leaving on uh, on the plane without him. No, she was dramatically disappearing, which to me, which actually speaks to me. I am a dramatic bitch like this, you know? I would pull that thing. I am that guy that kind of doesn't say goodbye when he Listen, leaves a wedding. Just like, when, I was here, I'm going to fade into the shadows now. When I Irish goodbye at my own like family get-togethers, no one thinks that's dramatic. They think... Oh, shit, he just left? What an asshole. <laughs> no, but in my mind, it feels dramatic, and that's what's important for me. <laughs> all right, I guess. <laughs> sorry, all right? Sorry, it doesn't have to I'm, make sense. I'm so happy for you that you romanced. You're just <laughs> leaving. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that, you know? I'm, I'm glad you're coming around to the way I think. <laughs> I kind of like the pragmatism of Bernsey, though. Like the guy's even like I like her fucking own fiance is like you know hey I'm you know we're not even like you, you know like I barely even see you as a woman kind of thing. I see you as Eunice. And, yeah, and you could be offended by that and be like, well, what the fuck, Jesus Christ, man! But she's like, you know what? I want stability. So really, come on, like who cares? <laughs> let's let's just get through this. We'll burn, you know, go go through our lives. We'll kind of just find ourselves together years from now and we'll both be well off enough you getting your grant and all that stuff it's gonna be fine we're gonna do great madeline khan just brings it to her <laughs> to her role she is really funny yeah look i don't blame you for wanting stability but like there's a difference between stability and totalitarianism in a relationship Oh, no, like I said, I would let someone absolutely chaotic fuck up my life. I just said I liked how pragmatic she was. Oh, okay, okay. So you're not going to let her pragmatically fuck up your life. I might, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Depends when I, I, mean, I don't got anything going on. <laughs> 
If a homegirl wants to come, if either someone wants to come in with chaotic energy and just ruin my life and just being like, hey, yeah, guess what? We're going to ride a fucking bicycle down a fucking street and almost hit a pane of glass. I'm like, I'm not doing anything. Or if someone wants to come into my life and be like, hey, look, we got a schedule. We have to be here and do this and all that stuff. I'm like, well, I wasn't doing anything anyway. So, ah, what the hell? <laughs> either way, I'm saying like, eh. Ah, and that, my friends, is love. <laughs> it took you a while to figure out that there were four identical bags in this movie, didn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't think I was fully paying attention to the beginning. Was, uh, ha! Jacques, I knew it. I knew it. What? I, I even said we were watching the movie. I should probably stop drawing. <laughs> I should watch the movie. Oh, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. I was watching the movie. Well, see, now both of us weren't paying attention, it seems. <laughs> now we're both equally guilty. We've both heard each other And I think we're going to move on and not mention any more about that part. But yeah, I thought there was just like two identical bags. This is usually what you do. You have shenanigans with these. But this one, oh my God, it had four fucking bags. We have Howard's bag, played by Ryan O'Neill, who's got... in. Igneous tambula rocks that have apparently certain musical properties. You hit it and it makes tonal music. Uh, you have probably more musical ability than I have. Uh, I mean, I will neither confirm nor deny. You've got Mr. Smith, who's got a bag of top secret documents, who has a mysterious guy named Mr. Jones following him to get back those documents. You have Mrs. Van Hoskins. Who also has the identical bag that just, she just has a shit ton of jewels in there. Like, Homegirl is keeping her entire jewelry collection in this bag. Who travels to a hotel with that much jewelry just in a bag? Uh, Mrs. Van Hoskins does, alright? And we will respect the woman. And then we've got Judy's bag, which is just filled with uh, clothing and a really big dictionary. Yeah, what's up with that? She really wants to know the definitions of words. She knows the definition of propriety. She does know a lot, actually, which is why I said she's very, like, very well-educated, that's for sure. Probably over-educated for someone who's doing nothing with her life, but, eh, you know, that's a personal goal. (laughs) She is truly becoming the jack-of-all-trades. That's what Judy's purpose is. Judy is going to be something that can, someone that can talk about everything, but can never go into absolute depth about Anything. Yeah, she knew way more about geology and uh, than than I think a normal person would. I don't know shit about rocks. Like she'd have danced numbers around me on that one because I don't know shit. Um, you gotta admit that was a cute interaction. It was pretty cute. She knows. Uh, she likes Emerson. And she likes people who like people who like Emerson. There we go. There we go. And she also was able to prove uh, that uh, Howard's rival for the Larrabee Grant was plagiarizing a controversial theory that no one had read because it was controversial. Did she prove it? I thought I thought someone had pointed it out and she said, I knew I heard it from somewhere or something. Or was she the one that pointed it She's out? She's the one that pointed it out. And then Mr. Larrabee remembered because he had also read that same and was uh, remembering oh, like okay. he thought that that dude's theory sounded familiar. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You know, uh, what's his name? I cannot remember that character's name. Was it Fritz? I think it was Fritz. Jacques. <laughs> I'm gonna call. 
I'm gonna call him Fritzy. All right, there we go. The guy with the pies in the face, right? Is he the one that got cream pied twice? Hey, man, you never want to talk about another guy's cream pieing, but yes, he was the one that got cream pied twice. I feel happy about that. Do you pretty. feel like that was a good description of that scene? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it was accurate. Pretty, pretty impressive. She missed what? Uh, she missed twice and hit him. Yeah. Perfectly. Just aiming for someone else, but still cream pie and a different guy twice. Ugh. Ugh. You know what I really appreciate about this film? <laughs> diegetic music. Or diegetic music. Oh, I didn't music. pay too much attention. So basically, for the people that don't know that, that is when a movie is scored to have music that is actually playing within the scene. So it's not that it is happening to, like, we're listening to this as the story is happening, we are hearing what the characters are hearing at the same time. Like when you hear the Avengers theme playing when they do some badass shit, like they don't hear it. No. It's just us listening to it. But when Iron Man hears ACDC, it's Iron Man listening to ACDC. Like that's that's that that's what that term is. And this entire film is just that. There is no underscore here. There is no like official score for this movie. There is just the use of different music that has been uh, just kind of remixed differently to to fit the scene, and it's not random music. Like you're not you're never gonna hear just like someone just came up with something real quick. Like in the lobby when Howard is checking in with Eunice, uh, there is a Eunice. No, <laughs> just repeating Eunice. <laughs> There's a piano going off playing a very swing time version of the musical song anything goes and you can hear it clearly and distinctly then later on there is a chinese parade going on and in the glockenspiel they're just playing la cucaracha during the parade and you know what that's okay yeah why was the chinese dragon festival playing la cucaracha <laughs> i mean what is a better parade festival song than la cucaracha for a, for a chinese for all, for all people. Every parade ever. Every the Cucaracha transcends culture. <laughs> culture. And language. language. People. Time. La Cucaracha shall exist until the heat death of the universe. Where the sun is exploding will resonate with the sand, with the tune. <laughs> when the universe is as we're all dead being sucked into the black hole in the middle of it and everyone's being going through spaghettification that's when you're gonna hear it and it's look i'm gonna be real with you guys it's not gonna be like a really good version of la cucaracha it's gonna be like a car horn version of la cucaracha that's what you're gonna hear but you know what just jam while you can. I'm so glad I'm going to be dead before that happens because it'll be so pissed and cursing at you <laughs> and fired Lukukurasha while being spaghettified. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't enjoy that. I'm glad I'm going to be dead too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't I didn't notice. I mean, I did notice the, the music playing during the uh, festival, but like, yeah, I, I didn't pay too much attention and realize that all the music was happening in, in, uh, in, in the movie. Yeah, in the and this actual like scenes. and and other music actually happens. Like again, none of the songs are really just random songs. You're gonna like at the very beginning when the credits are going off, Barbara Streisand is singing the song "You're the Top," which is another song from the musical "Anything Goes." 
And there's even when we get to the end credits, uh, she's doing a uh, duet with O'Neill playing or uh, singing the same song. Then you also you'll did the he- director do the movie Anything Goes or no? What? He just really enjoyed it. Okay, I mean like he just uh, he just uh, was like you know what he just uh, he got other people to redo the music to fit the scenes because you also have what other songs appeared in this movie Funicula and Funicula or Funicula and Funicula I get a kick out of you. Someone watch over me is uh, Streisand is whistling it. And then Bugs and Elmer are singing What's Up, Doc? That is a good one. But I was talking about, I was thinking about the piano scene where uh, after we'll have to talk about the, the room sequence, like what happens that night because it's an insane fucking sequence. But when Howard gets kicked out of the hotel. Instead of going down to the ground floor, he goes up to where construction's happening in the hotel. I don't know why, but, you know, sometimes you got to go find your soul in an abandoned part of a hotel. And there is a random grand piano up there in the construction area. Again, soul searching in a construction area leads to weird things. And Judy is just sleeping there and they perform the duet from As Time Goes By. After just making a Casablanca reference. See, madam, I don't give a damn. That's gone with the wind. Right. What did I say? You know what you said. You know what you said. I said Eunice. (laughs) (laughs) Eunice. I just really like that. I appreciate films that are able to do that because sometimes, you know, with scores, you're taking a risk because sometimes the music's not going to fit. Or sometimes a score can overshadow a film. Or when you're really lucky and a score makes a movie work because let's be real, Star Wars, the only half of what Star what made Star Wars work was John Williams' score. In the 70s, that was a weird experiment and we're so glad it worked. I guess I just associate the two so much I didn't. Uh, I don't uh, imagine what it would be like without it. Sorry, I'm thinking about silent Star Wars now and it's just very awkward in my head. You know, it's just a very <laughs> awkward time. <laughs> when you when you see those... those uh... Like performances where like someone is like either doing like ballet or dancing or like even someone like a, a singer is like doing one of their songs, but they cut out the music. So you just hear like shoes squeaking and like them like kind of grunting or breathing. It is so <laughs> awkward. Have you seen that? But at least we would have heard the, the people with lightsabers go pew, 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 pew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even with the music, you still hear that boom, boom. <laughs> Okay, there are a lot of wild comedic scenes in this film uh, that have some strange choreography that just works because it kind of feels like, um, what was his name? Was his name Buster Keaton? Yes, Buster Keaton. Like this kind of has that feel of Buster Keaton, that the actor that was known for like his kind of like vaudeville, but like physical uh, silent films. Like he's the one that has the very famous like black and white still where like the house part of the house falls over and he's just like in the right in the pocket where the window is. Yeah. Like that's him. We're like we're like a misstep and he could have been like fucking seriously injured. The guy that was tied to the train. <laughs> like it this film has that approach, I feel. Like there's a lot of kind of like physical moments in this movie that just make it work. Like just looking at 
even the even the moments when just uh, Judy is ripping off Howard's clothes because apparently she's such the like a vice grip strength. The grip of a gorilla she has, just tearing clothes <laughs> off this poor man every fucking time. But she's got the sewing skills to fix it at least. Well, that means if they do end up, you know, working out together, she can tear the clothes right off of them and then fix it. <laughs> After sex sewing. That's the new norm. Well, I mean, shit, if you're going to tear the clothes off of someone... <laughs> you can at least fix them afterwards. <laughs> what was your... I gotta ask, what was your favorite sequence in this movie? I My back hurt. I don't know about my favorite, but my back hurt watching the stunt work in the cars. Seeing people driving down these hills, up these hills, hitting stairs, making all these large turns, crashing into other cars. And I know it's not the actors, it's stunt people, but still just watching it. I'm like, oh, my back, my <laughs> spine, my legs, and my neck hurt. Oh, God, someone had to do this practically because I don't think those were models. <laughs> this um, was this movie has one of my favorite car chases of all time. It has such a long, protracted car chase sequence with all kinds of bumps and jumps. <laughs> and, you had to, you have to admit, it's really well done. Yeah, it might be that, or it might be. Yeah, well, no, I think it probably would be like the uh, the fire in the hotel room because there is so much happening. And you know a lot of tension with like the oh oh is she, is she gonna is she gonna pop in is the is the fiance gonna find out is she gonna and then all of a sudden it's like holy shit this man tried to murder her he pushed her out the window but she's hanging on there once again that gorilla grip saving her life <laughs> she'll never let go of that windowsill and then this other guy just kind of going through the window trying to screw through the window too she grabs him he freaks the fuck out jumps through the window. The fucking TV's going on. Madeline Kahn's screaming at him. So, like, all this attention is building as it's, like, you know, shit happening. And uh, it's all confusing and, 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 like, irritating. And then he's just, like, pulls the cord, starts a fire. Fucking uh, gorilla hands pops in and asks her if she knows what propriety means. <laughs> it's tense as shit. <laughs> look, so, yeah. look, that but... Judy had some insane grip strength in that sequence. But you know who really was the MVP of that scene? Judy's towel. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> That towel didn't move once. That towel was tied by the gods themselves. Once Woven grip... by the threads in the labyrinth. Her grip is so strong, she just tied it to the point where it, the, the atoms became bonded. The fibers were now one. The towel had no chance of coming apart. The towel was unless, no longer a unless, towel. It was Judy. Judy became part of the towel. The towel won with Judy. There was a combination. It was insane. It was the birth of something new. It would no longer come apart unless she herself willed it and used her hands to make it so. And would she ever make it so? We shall never know. I think she's wearing a towel later. So. Yeah, she would have been a little bit more bulky in her clothes. But you don't know, okay? All right? You yeah, maybe know. she fused the towel with whatever <laughs> else she was wearing. <laughs> I feel like it's been a weird Friday for the both of us. I have now canonized that her hand strength is such that it fuses molecules together. <laughs> She could make an atom bomb simply with a snap. 
She herself is the apocalypse. She is the bringer <laughs> of the end. She has become death, destroyer of worlds. And Howard is fucked. He's just a guy. I don't know. It feels like he get like he gets it together a little bit more because he is so gone and airheaded like at the beginning. Now maybe it's because of the headache or whatever. But like yeah, he seems like a very, very stupid person who does not grasp um, anything beyond, like, you know, what is immediately in front of him. And I feel like he becomes a bit more fleshed out for somehow as the story goes on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you definitely have a point there, I feel. I just, when it comes to Howard and how he's written, it makes you wonder just, like, he's a professor, what are his classes like? I think that's why he really needs this grant. <laughs> he has no students at this point. <laughs> the students are just kind of told, "Hey, read the book." Like he's he just read the book. Yeah, it is possible. Maybe maybe he is a uh, you know just that kind of teacher who just teaches by the book, which you know is boring and dry. But you know it's you're the most competent he can hope to be. Or it know. could be that Howard is probably that guy that just, like, turns into the, a different person when he is, boom, there, in the classroom, ready to talk about all the igneous rocks we got here. We got crazy igneous rocks, guys. It's gonna blow your minds. Gives the whole, like, my captain, my captain speech with a bunch of rocks just around him. His suit is made of igneous rocks. He just gets, like, one of those tuning forks, hits himself with it, tonal music all throughout the hall. Students are applauding. People are crying. And that's just the syllabus day. I want to meet that Howard. That Howard sounds hot. <laughs> hey, look, when Judy tore off his, his, uh, his pajamas, we found out that uh, he's, he's pretty ripped. Yeah. He's, Ryan's no pushover. All right, you know, well, kind of mentally he is, but physically, yeah, damn. What the fuck is Ryan? Oh, sorry, I was talking about the, that's the actor's name, Ryan O'Neill. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Howard. I was like, I, I thought if nothing else, he was Steven if he wasn't Howard. Uh, I also like, so we have um, Judy, who, like I said, is very incredibly charismatic and likable, even though she's not. A good, a good person. Uh, but I like opposite like of that. Chaos goddess in like human. Form? Yeah, seems like it. But like I said, she's got a hell of a lot of charisma to back it up. Who doesn't have charisma is that other fucking guy who's trying to get? Is he the one that's trying to get the top secret plans? Yeah, Mister Jones. He's oh, like. Wait, 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 has... wait. Which one are you talking about? The one that's like. Uh, in the brown suit with the golf gloves and the one in the blue suit. I'm talking about the one who is, uh, who was told he had to, like, profess his love to that lady to distract her. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the same guy, but, like, you know, that one lady who, like, you know, they thought they got the right bag, but it turns out they got the wrong bag, so he went to go get the other bag, and he was like, uh, distract her, he's like, how? He's like, I don't know, just, you know, Talk with her, do do something, just get her attention, whatever. And he just fucking just yeets, his, puts his leg out there, fucking trips her. And then it's like, 
And then so you're like, oh, fuck. Well, that's fucked up. And maybe he was going to like start to talk to her afterwards. Like, oh, hey, my bad. Or like get into like some kind of argument in the lobby. But no, as the guy's coming out of the hall, into the hallway, you see up into the <laughs> elevator, he's still like fucking putting his leg out, tripping this woman who's just trying to get away from him. He straight up tackles her and pulls her to the ground and holds her down. As he's just like, that was his task. Just distract her, trip her up, and he takes it literally. That, like, that, that lady, that lady needs to sue him or get the police or something. Instead, she's just like an extra. She just quietly goes about, like, just tries to keep going on. No, no, she's screaming. She's screaming, but, like, no one's coming to help. Because at the same time, so. Uh, what's going on is Kettleborn, who is like, no, that's not Kettle, it's not Kettleborn, it's, uh... I was gonna say, who the fuck's this Game of Thrones-ass character, Kettleborn? Wait, I think Fritz is actually the hotel, uh, desk clerk, and Harry is the private eye that he's hired, uh, to help steal the jewels from Van Hoskins. So, Fritz Mm. is the one going to the room, and, like, you even see him smoothly, like, hide his face and ignore this just fight going on, on or not even fight assault of an elderly woman going on on this hallway floor and just like quietly just like pulls himself into a different room with a different case because at this point by the time we're at i believe at this point in the movie uh howard's got the jewels Judy's got the top secret documents. Fritz has got Judy's clothes. Wait, no. Mr. Jones has Judy's clothes. And Fritz has Howard's igneous rocks, which they later give to mafia or mob people. But yeah, just one more on this guy, because not only does he have that moment where he's just assaulting this lady just to try to distract her. Um... Yeah, later on, once again, he he want, needs him to distract her or something like that. Or, like, get into a room and, like, get the bag, sneak in. And he's like, well, what if she wakes up and finds me there? He's like, I don't know, declare your love for her and, to, you know, tell her that you can't live without her. And maybe make sweet love to her. And he's like, <laughs> wouldn't it be easier if we just killed her? <laughs> can I just kill her? <laughs> <laughs> And that's the that's about the amount of charisma I can relate to. <laughs> I love how this guy totally believes that this like kind of failed private eye has the charisma just like yes, profess your love to her and make sweet love all night. Distract her with your sweetness. Find yourself a friend that has that kind of confidence in you. Oh man, someday. <laughs> I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping to let them down super hard. <laughs> but let's say but let's be real, Mr. Jones, who's trying to get the top secret government documents back, he's no he's no good with his charisma either, because as he's following the guy like this who's basically a whistleblower, like this is what's happening. This guy's stealing illegal document or stealing top secret documents to give them out to the people. Uh as he's following this guy, he's got like a full thing of like golf clubs he's got a full bag of golf clubs with him like that's his like i'm incognito right now while tailing Mm -hmm. this dude and there is nobody else on the sidewalk as he's tailing this guy and then we realize we're in san francisco where it's just all stairs and really steep hills 
So this dude just starts throwing golf clubs out of his bag into random areas because he just gets he just gets overburdened with his golf clubs because you know that's his incognito and he sticks to it because damn it when I see a man with golf clubs following me I never think it's weird. Yeah, even to the point where he's just going around with literally like one golf club <laughs> in the whole fucking bag. He doesn't need any of them. And I think when he when we get to the uh like the chase sequence, he still has the golf clubs. I think he still so. Has at least yeah. the bag, and I think one club left. Hey, that—that's speaking of traffic and, and and chases and all that stuff. That's another thing. Goddamn, Judy just walks into fucking traffic, causes so many goddamn accidents. Yeah, it does not look where she's going. Does not give a shit. She. I'm really starting to get around to the the idea in my head that she is just the incarnate of a goddess of chaos. She's very food motivated. If you yeah, tell her that there's right. a if there's a function or a banquet and there's gonna be food, she will damn she, damn sure make sure she gets there. She's gonna be there. She wants the good food, you know. And like the first thing she does is uh, figure out what room is empty, so she can order a sandwich to that room and have them leave it outside the door. So then she can then so she can pick up said sandwich and eat it very specific yeah. she wants uh i think it's like a roast beef sandwich she wants it on rye she wants mustard on the bottom and mayonnaise on the top Look at you are you spitting you remember this lady's fucking sandwich order <laughs> dude look you gotta respect a good sandwich order all right let's be real if there is any true gift from like any divine entity within this known chaotic universe it was fucking sandwiches man sandwiches are crazy good all right what what no i guess i just don't feel as passionately about sandwiches you know some people get to have their own passions and i respect them for it okay i'm just happy no one's making fun of me for you do you i just i don't feel that way i guess you've just never had a good sandwich I've made damn good sandwiches. How dare you, sir? <laughs> if I made you a sandwich, you would throw up because you would find yourself unworthy of it. But, the sandwich um, would, have, would have measured me, weighed me, and found me unwanted. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. His sandwiches are amaze-fucking-ly. Thank you, man. I don't think amazely is a word, but that's how good they are. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> hey, man, did you know this movie uh, was basically written and prepared to be uh, filmed in basically like two and a half months? Yeah, I could believe it. Like, it was a situation where uh, Peter Bogdanovich was called into John Kelly, who was the head of production at the time. Like, called into his office and was asked, like, hey, Barbara Streisand wants to work with you. If you were to work with Barbara Streisand, what type of movie would you do? And his answer at the end was just screwball comedy. Like, just Daffy Girl, Airhead Professor, kind of a square, everything works out. And John just goes, do it. Make it. But that was in May. And due to, like, Streisand and O'Neill's commitments... They could only film in the in August of 1971, so they had to write this movie and have it like costumes, sets, everything ready. 
by the time they were ready to film with their uh, actors and actresses. And there actually was five different uh, scripts in the end, written by two different teams by the time they finally were able to settle on one that just ended up being... Might explain why Howard seems a little inconsistent. But damn, that's fast. Yeah, they made it work. I feel like they made it work. This movie is recognized uh, by like the American Film Institute, you know, just being a good comedy. Uh, now, look, am I going to say that like this is gonna like this movie will change people's lives? No, but I kind of find it hard. Like, I, it's hard to find comedies like this these days. Yeah, I was gonna say screwball as a genre isn't something that you see anymore, is it? No, like I don't remember when the last like real comedy movie came out into the theaters that was just like a screwball comedy because like Like, i I feel like in most comedies these days the problem that i have when i see them and it has to be like it starts out really funny it's a funny premise we're all laughing and then something really bad happens and we're all sad and we all have to feel bad and then the funny time comes back and it's just like I don't need that kind of roller coaster emotion right here. I'm here to like just shut off and laugh for a little bit. I like when I get to have those I was going to say I think to me and I'm probably 100% wrong on this. I feel like Screwball got taken over by like raunchy and teen comedies. In which the point of those is to be mostly raunchy or like you know kind of uh, edgy, but they those kind of comedies do have moments of screwball in them, but they're not what I would call a screwball comedy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I'm not gonna lie, man, I wasn't the biggest fan of the of the like the teen party comedy era, you know. Yeah, I wasn't either, but if I can think of the some of the ones that I have seen and some moments from them, I do think some of them had, like, screwball moments in them, where it's like a, you know, kind of just like a, a small little, like, you know, either, like, play on words gag or, like, just a funny little situational comedy bit. They would have bits in there, but I don't, you know, overall, I don't think that was the focus of those. It's It's, it's true. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm over here just, like, thinking about how many times, like, kind of like modern comedies have the moment where like the really enlightened parent or the strange man you met on the side of the road just like gives you like a really deep speech about life and like where you're going in it and that's when the character realizes what like oh i'm the one that did wrong and i need to go apologize and we all like grew as people and then we get back to the comedy and it just it's it's weird, you know, like I kind of I miss I miss directors like Peter Bogdanovich and Mel Brooks who just made comedies, you know, like it's just like there was like what was a lot like when it came to Mel Brooks, you know, when you would see like Blazing Saddles, there's no moment where like you had to stop laughing. It was just it was good. It was fun. Well, I mean, I think Hulu like uh, did History of the World Part 2. So, There's no way that holds up. <laughs> it's got some funny bits. I don't know. I haven't seen the whole thing. Like uh, history of the world was already kind of like a an iffy, uh, some iffy content, you know. What? Nah, it was funny. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not gonna pass judgment on it because, like, I haven't seen it all the way through. I just know, like, when it came out, 
when it was like reviewed and everything, it was kind of just like an iffy one for Mel Brooks. No, oh, I guess. I mean, I just know people love that Inquisition. Uh, but yeah, this one uh, has one joke that I think was a little like, uh, you know, what's up, Doc? Had like one joke that I was like, huh, that hasn't aged well. <laughs> and it's a part where they're all in the courtroom and everyone's airing their grievances and they try to do this and whatever. And it's like, that's kidnapping. They try to do this and that's arsony or whatever. The person did this or that, whatever. And the theft, grand theft, and all that stuff. And destruction of property. And then like uh, Madeline's con characters, like they tried to molest me. And he was like, well, that's unbelievable. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, like that aged poorly. Yeah, that joke. Yeah, that that's gonna be a hit and a miss for some people. And that's gonna be one of those ones when people laugh at it. You're just like, maybe I should stop hanging out with that person. <laughs> <laughs> that courtroom sequence is absolutely wild. The judge lost his lifesavers. Okay, and that's heartbreaking because you're you're really working a thankless job already. It's eight to ten hours. You're gonna listen to some really depraved shit for a while. You can at least have the candy of your choice to brighten the day. Now, is it very old man of him to really like lifesavers? Is it very kind of just like, here, kid, have some hard candy I have in this bowl of him to want the lifesavers? Yes. I don't think he would have shared. But you know what? And and for me, I would be hiding sour strips in there. I'd be hiding the gummy rings. Maybe a little bit of chocolate if I'm feeling it, you know? <laughs> if you're feeling extra saucy. Yeah, if I'm feeling the sauce that night. But if you're going to be doing that, you would need, lead, need some candy to get you through your shift. And this man has lost it, and I feel for him. Yeah, that's fair. Also, Randy Quaid's in this movie. Yeah! I was like, is that... I couldn't remember his name, but yeah, I was just... Is that Randy Quaid's crazy ass? Yeah. He is. He's kind of subdued for Randy Quaid, I guess. I don't know, man. That see, Another joke that didn't uh, really age that well was... It was a situation where someone pointed out that something had gotten on, like, Judy's jacket or something was on Judy's name tag or something. So someone said, like, someone should either help her take it off or remove it and all the guys at the table got up as quick as possible and they do a like a, a swap to a swap shot to like their faces randy quaid has the creepiest look on his face like it is predatory it is terrifying i will have nightmares about the face randy quaid made in this sequence you're just joining me i always have nightmares about randy quaid well i'm part of it now i'm here with you i Feel the terror. He's in all of them, and sometimes he's the hat man. Not the hat man. Yeah, once he takes off his hat, you realize, oh shit, it was Randy Quaid. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> where I'm Randy going with this. Quaid but, um, no, I think I, mi- I missed that part. I don't think I saw his creeper face. It was. Ugh. I'm going to pull it up. You know what? Distract them. I'm going to pull this up. Uh, once the ship that sails. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know any sea shanties, it turns out. Um,. You're you're doing your best, and I just appreciate you for it. No, anyway, um, you got this. You can do this. So, Nan, you want to talk about glass pane? (laughs) How about that scene with the glass pane? Oh my god, it's fucking great! I enjoy a good glass pane gag. 
And when they start walking out, y'all heard me. It's like, oh my god, it's the fucking thing. They're Pretty gonna much. Do it. Yep. And then all the, the bicycle comes down. They're like, oh shit, oh shit. And they move the glass out of the way. And then three cars subsequently afterwards come down. And they're moving from one side to the other. And there's a guy on a ladder right in the middle of the road. Why is he doing What is he doing there? He's putting up the banner. I know, but <laughs> fuck me, is he in super danger? Yeah. And, uh. Super danger. Once again, I get tense looking at the fucking, like practical stunts here yeah because like that guy holding the glass almost got fucking wanged by one of the cars i was like yeah it was pretty intense but uh yeah they all go downhill and uh, those guys in the glass were able to dodge it it's amazing and then they go back uphill and fuck me everyone's doing a turn uh judy and the other guy they're just they they turn around, start cycling upwards, and everyone's turning, hitting this one fucking guy's car, which is horrible. I mean, it's it's basically in half afterwards, and they're driving uphill, and those guys are like fuck, and they start dodging and dodging. And finally, you know, they just decide I'm gonna get out of the way, they get off the road. We're gonna just park ourselves in the sidewalk, and everything's going fine. The cars dodge the guy in the elevator or on the uh, ladder. Until one car finally hits him, and he's just dangling there on the on the fucking banner. Mm-hmm. Lord help me if he just lets go and whatnot, but the banner breaks. Banner Guess where breaks. he runs into? And he fucking Tarzans right into that fucking glass. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. <laughs> it was so sad. And that's been your Nan for the second. That was our Nan's interlude. Did you find the Quaid face? I didn't find the Quaid face. All right, Nan, do you want to talk about wet concrete? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That was painful. Anyways, y'all guys go ahead. I do like that guy's reaction when, like, all the cars drive over the concrete, and he just gets the thing, and he throws it down, just stomps on the concrete. All right, want to talk about sand? Was there sand? Yeah, there was a sequence where there was uh, construction... Crew was like having sand poured down on like uh, a road they were working on, and yeah, everyone just kept right. driving through it. And when the last car drives through it, you just see one worker with a shovel just straight up throw his shovel in the air and just start walking away. Like I don't, I'm done. I'm gone. I'm, in, I'm. I don't need this anymore. You know. A lot of people quit that day. Uh, a lot of people realized that San Francisco wasn't the city for them. Also, that couple that just got married's car is in the water now. <laughs> That's right, they stole a car from a like, freshly married couple. Also, then, that like, is the just... least conspicuous car to grab for a chase sequence. No, they took the worst bike, they took the worst car. They did get a they did were able to hide when they drove up that that uh tow truck car thingy. I don't know what it's called, but it's one of those things that holds multiple cars on it. But anyways, um yeah, they were able to hide a little bit there. Yeah, what's up with stealing the grocery boy's bike? It's pretty fucked up. It was the only thing that would hold all the bags. And also Ryan O'Neal. Yeah, once again, I'm going to say it again. I'm a broken fucking record, but the practical stunt of like her riding the bike and him hauling ass and trying to jump on the fucking cart, the box that's like on the front of the bike. Like the first time he does it, kind of eats shit and like falls off of it. I was like, he's going to get run over. And then like, yeah, no, he's able to get on top afterwards. But I'm like, Jesus Christ. Having a heart attack watching these people. So, yeah, well done on the stunt work. Even if it was faked, 
because it all looks really real. It it causes me a lot of stress. Okay. There's also something I wanted to talk about that I just remembered. I would like to submit this film for a second most badass grandma sequence because I love the moment where like Mr. Larrabee's house is being uh a like being raided by like mobsters and Mr. Jones and a gunfight breaks out and a pie throwing fight and everyone's screaming and everything this sweet looking old lady like frail old lady maid walks out grabs a six shooter that has just been like tossed on the ground and just starts firing in the air does not give a shit just starts blasting like strongest like frank energy from how uh always sunny in philadelphia was like we're just like so i just started blasting you know like that's exactly what happened and i love it i think she's such a badass for it it just reminds me of that badass grandma from dawn of the dead I think um, Donald the Dead Grandma would win, though. No, I know she, she would win if we had to like pair these two grandmas in a fight. I just want to say that this is also a badass granny. She didn't ask questions. She didn't figure out who was right or wrong. She straight up just picked up a gun and started firing. Now, I'd have been that one butler that walked out with the drink, saw shit going down, and immediately smashed back <laughs> into the door trying to leave. <laughs> I'd have been that guy. <laughs> That is also one of my favorite moments. Like, I was expecting it to be a bit more seamless, to be like a fucking, like, Abraham Simpson kind of thing, where he walks in, sees the shit, walks back out. But no, he turns around, and the whole fucking tray just smashes into him. Oh my gosh. The amount of times where people are, like, getting thrown into walls, uh, smashing through things, dragged on the floor. Like, do you remember when, uh, during the dinner sequence, when uh, Judy is pretending to be howard's fiance eunice when eunice tries to check in she's like trying to get into the venue and they're just dragging her on the floor out of that venue as she screams that she's eunice and you can see her heels making marks on the floor and shit take her away yeah, it's great. Oh, I even thought it was funny when, like, Eunice goes where she thought she was going to meet Howard in, at Larrabee's place or whatever, at his company. And she gets there, and the mob already has, like, the guy who has, like, the igneous rocks or whatever. And she just walks in, and he's, like, on a chair, and the guy is, like, mid-punch, like, looking at her. <laughs> it's like, why do you have Howard's rocks? Hey, but at least she finds love and happiness. Are you sure that's what it is? No. I think she found compatibility and possibly stability. Maybe. Which I think is what she wanted. So once again, you got to give props to the woman for pragmatism. Hey, look, pragmatism scores one with someone and chaos scores one with another. <laughs> we'll see how I, well, I guess we won't, but like, you'd see, it'd be interesting to see how either of those last. That's right. You guys have guessed it. Peter Bogdanovich has risen from the grave and will be creating What's up, Doc? Do the story of everyone's lives after forty years. That's right. Madeline Kahn rises from the grave with Peter Bogdanovich to continue the story. I got dark. Yeah, I got really dark. I feel in a bad place now. <laughs> so I guess if we continue the story, that that one definitely didn't last. Uh, you not put it like that. Maybe. I'm sorry, weren't you talking about two dead people rising from the grave to complete some story that's never going to happen? Was that me? Did I do that? I don't, I don't think you're 
talking about the right guy there. Tucker, I need you to make my audio sound like that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That'd be impressive. That would be you know very what? impressive. If he does it, keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> Tucker, please don't. Please don't try. This is dangerous technology. Don't create it. The more we talk about this moment, the harder it is to edit it out. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Kaz? That's me. Did you like it? Oh, wait, no, I'm Bernsey. <laughs> I got you, you son of a bitch. Yeah, it was fun. Like I said, you know, like 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 you said, it's a screwball style comedy, which you know you you see with stuff like Airplane or like even uh, was it Hot Shots stuff like that. Yeah. Those kind of movies, they're very goofy, they're cornball-y, they're fun. But uh, yeah, they're fun. They don't make any goddamn sense. I'm I'm of two ways about Judy, because like I said, terrible, awful person. Really bad for you in every stretch of the in every stretch of the imagination, but she is charismatic and does seem a little fun. So Squared. That that's me. I'm Squared. You're Stephen now. So did you like it, Stephen? <laughs> yes, I do really enjoy this movie. It's a good time. It's fun. Look, it's if if you want to try something new, well, old but new, you've never seen it before, try it out. It's great. Um, <laughs> try something new try this movie from the 70s <laughs> hey uh it's a movie that plays on a lot of different things it's got a lot of different references a lot of different jokes um i think you would enjoy it and it you would definitely enjoy it if you've ever seen the movie love story uh so kaz I already answered <laughs> what do you want from me i just want to i just want to know what you're doing oh. in your life what's going on oh um, I think I'm finishing a lot of games. Finished Kingdom Hearts. That sucked. <laughs> finishing. I'm gonna, gonna finish. Uh, I'm glad you answered. Gonna finish Divinity soon. That's so so. It's got its moments. Okay, there we go. Uh, and I'm close to finishing Metroid Prime. That's fun, at least. Uh, and then I think Nan plays stuff. He's been getting into Wild Hearts. So he's becoming strictly a Wild Hearts streamer, I believe. Now he does other stuff, I'm sure. Um, but he's having fun with that. That's what's important. And you can watch those shenanigans and these podcasts live on Friday evenings at like 10 o'clock or so. Uh, like twitch.tv forward slash second respawn. That's the number two. The letters N D and the word respawn all together scrunched up as one thing. Square, what do you got going on in your life, huh? What are you so what do you want about? What makes you so big, huh? What makes me so big? I really enjoy um, a good gyro. I feel like that that adds some good protein to the diet, really can help bulk you up. Uh, it heals you for like twenty five. Hell <laughs> Hey That's right, because I've been playing a shit ton of Hades. Uh, so if you want to check out some Hades, you can find me uh, on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash SirSquared, S-Q-U-A-R-I-N. Or uh, you can catch me on Twitter saying dumb stuff uh, at SirSquared. Um, this podcast comes out edited every week by our good friend Tucker, who puts in a lot of work to make it happen. We're usually a Friday release, but it's leaning actually more towards Mondays now. So that's what's going on. Deal with the change. We all have to adjust. That's life. 
but yeah, you can find this on uh, Amazon, Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, anywhere you really can find podcasts. And you can find our editor on twitch.tv forward slash Tucker underscore wins. I actually caught him streaming tonight. He was having a great time. And uh, follow him on Twitter at Tucker wins. Guys, what are we doing next week? Uh, that's the week after Easter, right? I think we're watching RoboCop with a special guest. Ooh. So join us next week for a special guest. And I've also never seen RoboCop, so I'm pretty excited. Neither is our guest. Oh, we got so we, it's gonna be two new people, and then Cass, who's seen the movie, and so just gonna it's be gonna be me it. being unsufferable and quoting along with RoboCop. Oh yeah, because that's what you're known for, quote alongs, Cass. You're dead or alive, you're know. coming with me, bitches. Leave. I'd buy that for a dollar. I could go on, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs>